you have your Bibles this morning, turn with us to the book of Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse number 1 through verse number 7. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. By the way, I think we're getting some feedback through this microphone. It sounds like there's some feedback somewhere coming from. Um, Titus chapter 2, verse number 1. If you would this morning stand with us for the reading of God's word if you're able. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And again, Paul is writing to Titus, giving directions for the church. This is the blueprint for the, the New Testament church. And in Titus chapter 2, he has been focusing on chapter 1, really on elders and, um, and those who are lost. And now how we would deal with them. In chapter 2, he transitions and focuses on uh, believers within the church, specifically men and women. And this morning we want to look at uh, his dealings with godly men and how we are to live. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the old men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, and good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the younger men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. And so this morning I want to preach on this thought of looking for a few good men. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we ask that for the next few moments, God, that you may speak to our hearts in a way that would draw us to live a life that is pleasing, honoring, and glorifying to your holy name. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to not examine this morning the, the references to that of the wife. We'll, Lord willing, look at those next week, those of the woman. But this, uh, t- this morning I want to look at what the Bible has to say about men. Looking for a few good men. William Jones, a captain in the Marines in the province, back in March 20th of 1779, before the modern Marine Corps was even born, uh, in the Gazette paper there in Rhode Island, he wrote, uh, we need a few good men to engage in a short cruise, uh, and gave the Marine Corps a recruiting slogan that would still be used 200 years later, looking for a few good men. The truth of the matter is, is that godly men are in short supply in the day and age that we live. Godly men are in a short supply. I'll be honest, you look at, look at my daughters, and I fear for them as they grow up on who it might be that they would marry, that would be a good man. And so I believe that God, through his wisdom, infinite wisdom, spoke to Paul to talk to Titus about uh, being careful to make sure that there are men who are godly, who are living just and righteous before God, to bring a testimony to him. From the Men's Ministry Leadership Seminar in 1993 through the Promise Keepers, they said that men commit suicide four times the rate of women. 
and this was back in 93, but I dare say that the uh, statistics have not changed much. Men between 18 and 29 suffer alcohol dependency at three times the rate of women of the same age. More than two-thirds of all alcoholics are men. 50% more men are regular users of illicit drugs than women. Life expectancy for men is 10% shorter than for women. And the incidence of stress-related illness, such as heart disease and certain cancers, remains inordinately high among men. And more than 80% of America's homeless are men. There is a a uh, pandemic that is going on in America, and it is affecting, not, I'm not speaking of COVID, but rather there is an assault on manhood. Uh, we can look at our society this morning, and it is very obvious that there is an all-out warfare going on against the, uh, the genders, male and female, and against manhood in general. And uh, just as we cannot describe what a woman is, Society cannot describe what a man is either anymore. Yet I want to be perfectly clear this morning that the Bible is not vague or gray on the subject matter, but rather the Bible is very clear what it means to be a godly and to be a man. And so this morning I want to look for just a little bit on uh, looking for a few good men. You see, godly men and the duties of a godly man do not change. They remain faithful to the Word of God. It is not something that is trendy. Styles come and go. The clothing that we wear, the music style and genres, they come and go with generations. But being a man, a godly man, does not change. It does not go out of style. There was a poem that the source, the author, is unknown, but it goes like this. It says, you're just out of date, said young Pastor Bate, to one of our faithful old preachers who had tarried for years in travail and tears the gospel to poor sinful creatures. You still preach on Hades and shock culture ladies with your barbarous doctrine of blood. You're so far behind you will never catch up. You're a flat tire stuck in the mud. For some little while, a bit of a smile enlightened the old preacher's face. Being made but the bud of the ridicule's cut did not ruffle his sweetness and grace. Then he returned to young bait, so suave and sedate. Catch up, did my ears hear you say? Why I couldn't succeed if I doubled my speed. My friend, I'm not going the same way. And the truth of the matter is that if we are to abide by what the Bible lays out as godly men, and men, if we are to abide by that, we will not be going the same direction as our culture and society goes, but rather we will have to uh, take on the responsibility and the burden to recognize that we must go against the grain of our society and our culture and instead remain true to God and his holy word. I want to look for just a few moments from our passage of scriptures, and I promise I won't be too lengthy this morning, but I do want to look at some characteristics of a good man. What does it mean to be a good man? And I desire to be a good man, a, a good father, a good husband, a good son, a good servant of God, and a faithful pastor. I desire to be a good man, but what does it truly mean to be a good man according to the Word of God? 
Paul, writing to Titus, addresses that in, in Titus chapter 2. He says um, that the, uh, the older men be sober. He says to be sober, and this is the same word that is translated as vigilant in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2, and it means to be free from the control or influence of alcohol. It is specifically dealing with alcohol in this passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And the Bible saying, listen, you should guard your heart and guard your mind and, and be careful that you stay in a sober mindset so that you are always ready and willing and able to, to be an example and a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this is not popular, but it is still true and it is in God's word. And I will unashamedly proclaim the word of God this morning. The Bible says that the older men should be sober. We should guard ourselves from being, becoming addicted and allowing things that are contrary to good common sense to control our mind and, and cause us to do things that we should not do. Years, you know, for years I served as a missionary and uh, going in the United States and also the Philippines, going into prisons all across America and preaching. Uh, we had the, uh, the privilege of going into uh, the state penitentiary for Tennessee over near Memphis, the maximum security prison, and, and dealt with many of the men. And, and I will say that through the years, not all, but the majority of inmates that are behind bars especially those for violent crimes, most involved alcohol. And you say, Pastor, are you saying that if I touch alcohol at all that I'm going to wind up in prison? That is not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that when we introduce to ourselves things that are contrary to the Word of God, we are opening ourselves up for consequences that we may not be ready to accept and pay for. And so the Bible warns us that we should be sober. And the Bible says, whoever is led astray by these things is not wise. I don't know about you, but I want to be considered a wise man. And so the Bible says that the adverse uh, is in effect. We had some uh, individuals recently that we saw, and I won't say more than that, but they, uh, they, uh, they drank more than they should have, and they began to act out and party. And, and I would imagine that if you were to video them and show it back to them the next day, they probably would have been embarrassed by the way they were behaving. Yet the, the alcohol, the wine, it caused them to act in a way that was contrary to their nature. So the Bible says a good man is so sober. But watch me here. It says the old man be sober and reverent. That word reverent, when you translate and look it back, it literally means to be honorable and it gives the connotation of being stately. It is that that says, listen, we will present ourselves and live in such a way that we are reverent or that people would look upon us reverently, that we would handle ourselves in a stately manner. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses number 20 and 21, the Bible says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honor, and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 
A good man of God is a man who is sober, but also one that is stately, that carries himself in such a way that he is an honorable man. A man that says, listen, I will bring honor to my family, to my, to my faith, to my church, to my, my nation. I will carry myself in such a way that I will live honorably before men. And so that is, you know, with the Marine Corps, their slogan might be looking for a few good men, but their, uh, their characteristics are honor, courage, and commitment. And honor, even the secular U.S. Marine Corps understands that honor is a, uh, a characteristic that is desirable. And so as men of God, we should seek, uh, seek to be honorable, to live a life that is uh, reverential, that others may look at our lives and, and understand that we're just a good, uh, we are a good member of society. That we are living our lives in a way that we are being productive members of our society. And, and so for our young men and for our older men alike, there is a there is a culture that we live in that uh, honor does not exist anymore. Nobody respects anything. Can I get an amen there? I, I saw this week that there was two individuals who were protesting the, uh, the use of oil, and so they, they, uh, they cast some uh, tomato juice on a famous painting in France somewhere, and, and I'm not an art artist, I don't know what all that, but I saw it and I thought, you know what, nobody respects anything anymore. We have lost what it means to live honorably, to live respectably among ourselves, and so as older men, we should set the example on what it means to live uh, in an honorable, stately manner, but also we should teach the younger men that it might not be popular or cool to be respectful of others or respectful to live respectfully, yet it's still a desired characteristic that is pleasing to God. Thirdly, we find here the Bible says that we should live sober, reverent, and the Bible uses this word temperate. It literally means to be sensible, to, uh, to have good rational thoughts and self-control, to be temperate. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 28, the Bible says, whoever uh, has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. Not being able to control our own spirit, being sensible and temperate. Romans 8:37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It, it really, it gives this word temperate or sensibleness, it, it, it gives the mentality or the thought of being in control of our own selves controlling our own attitudes and controlling our own anger and our outbursts, to have control of ourselves, to be self-disciplined, um, to uh, uh, not be uh, taken into every little thing that comes along, but to have power over ourselves. The Bible says that that is to be us as believers. We are to be temperate or sensible, that we are to have rational thoughts and self-control. And we, we are living in a day and age where well, people just don't have that anymore, do they? Self-control, what is that? It's ridiculed, it's mocked, and the world is trying to tell us and tell our young people and our children that don't worry about the consequences. Just live life however you want to be. If it feels good, just do it. Don't try to restrain yourself. Just let loose and let go and live however you desire. But the truth is the Bible says that we should be temperate, that we should have self-control of ourselves and have rational thoughts. Looking for a few good men.
what kind of men are we are are we living men what kind of life are you living young men what kind of men are you striving to be we've made idols and heroes out of sports figures movie stars singers the popular kids the popular crowd I want to say to our young men who are here this morning the best examples for you to live your life are right here in this room you're not going to find them on TV you're not going to find them on the radio you're going to find them right here what kind of men are you trying to be then the Bible goes on here to say sound in faith and in love and in patience sound in faith love and patience it is that that we are we are grounded in our faith that we are grounded in, in our faith that we know what we believe and we know whom we believe that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is our all in all sound in faith a good man knows what he believes why he believes it and he is sound he is steady in what he believes fathers men do you want to ruin our children do you want to confuse our family lead them astray be wishy-washy in what you believe be wishy-washy in your faith I can tell you this much if you don't hold fast to what you believe your children and your grandchildren probably won't care at all if it's not important enough for you to be grounded in they will look at your life and say well then why do I need it sound in faith he says older men be sound in faith but also sound in love be sound in your love or that you would be have your love in order my first love my first duty in love is to my Heavenly Father I owe him everything and he must be the center of my life we will give ourselves to what we love we will engulf and commit ourselves and and be enthroned in our lives about that which we love and God our Heavenly Father he must be our center of our love we must love him above all else Are you sound in your love? Is God number one in your life? It's easy to say yes. But to the non-believer who examines your life, if we were to ask your coworker, your neighbor, or your children, what does daddy really love? I wonder what the answer would be what does daddy love what does he care about the most what would the answer be
Would it be sports? Would it be golf? Would it be a good time? Would it be hanging out with his buddies or being left alone? I hope that they would say, Jesus. We must be sound in our love. First, to our Heavenly Father, but then men. Second of all, to us who are married, our wives. Our wives. That we would be sound, that we have our priorities in order, that we love God first, and then our wives. That our wives come before our hobbies, that our wives come before ourselves, that our wives come before you fill in the blank. God first, our wives second. And this goes for me as a pastor. And you know what's number three? My children. That they come first. Behind God and my wife. And then fourthly, my church. And in that order. Sound in faith. Sound in love. Now watch this one. Sound in patience. Sound in patience. That we understand that we must be patient with people, with ourselves, with our children, with our neighbor. We must be sound. Well, for sake of time, I'm going to, if you will listen fast, I'm going to cover these last few points fast, all right? The Bible says that impatience. And then verse number six, drop down. He says, likewise, exhort the younger men. This is to teach them, to encourage them to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. That is a striver that we would strive to do good works. Literally, that we would seek out to... Show in our own life that we seek to do good. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We should strive to do good. In James chapter 4, verse number 17, the Bible goes even further and says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and, and do, uh, does it not, to him it is sin. We should strive to do good works. Now, I'm not even going to get on this this morning, and this is I, I could go off on a tangent on this if I'm not careful, but uh, one of the things it says is good, we should do good things, but second of all, works, we should be workers, that we should strive to, uh, to exert ourselves, to put forth labor and energy, blood, sweat, and tears to do good, not just when it's convenient. We live in a time of convenient Christians. Yet we are not to be just convenient Christians, but we are to strive to do good works. Then it says to be, verse number seven, show a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing integrity. That literally means to be uncorrupt or steadfast, that we should be steadfast in our doctrine. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast, that we have a backbone, that we're just going to stand up for what's right. If the church has failed, one of the areas in which we have failed is that we have not been steadfast for what we believe. We're not. Where the church is today is where the world was 15, 20 years ago. And the church has convinced ourselves that as long as we stay arm distance from the world, so just to keep a little bit of distance, then we're okay. We're doing what it means to be a Christian. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says we are to be steadfast, unmovable, that what we will stand upon God's word, that God's word will be our, our anchor, our pivot point. We will rely upon the word of God, and we will not just merely try to stay an arm's length from the world, but rather we will stay true to the word of God. And then it says, says that we should be have reverence literally meaning that we should be submissive different in reverence that we would live our life reverentially as we mentioned earlier but this is that we would be reverential of others we would submit ourselves James 4 7 says to submit to God so we resist the devil and he will flee from you. We should submit ourselves to God. And Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We should learn that we are, uh, we are not the end-all, be-all, but it's okay for us to show reverence and respect to one another. If we'd all just begin treating our neighbor the way we're supposed to, we'd be in better shape. And then lastly, the Bible says here in verse number 7, and I'll be done. It says incorruptibility, which literally is sincerity, meaning an unending existence, faithful to true and righteousness. Being faithful to truth and righteousness, sincere in our hearts, that we would honestly seek what was right. Looking for a few good men. This morning, God's looking for a few good men. This world hates what it means to be men. Satan's trying to undermine what it means to be a man, uh, to, to be a man, to be men in general. This world is trying to tell men that we are not needed, we are not appreciated, we are not wanted. But this morning, I want to stand up and tell you upon the authority of God's word that men, you have a place in your home, you have a place in this church, you have a place in society, and God is looking to you and I to step up and to be the leaders firmly grounded upon God's eternal word. The blueprint for the church. We want to go forward with the gospel? Do we want to be faithful in what God has called us to do? Then we must be faithful to God's pattern. I thank the Lord that on Tuesday mornings we have a good group of men, anywhere from 8 to 12, show up to pray on Tuesday mornings. I know 6.30 is awful early in the morning for some of you, and that's okay, but I, I encourage it. At least once, make it a purpose in your heart. At least once, you're going to show up to that. 
Every man in our church, I encourage you, at least one time, try to work it into your schedule where you can be there. This past week, I had to slip out. I couldn't stay the whole time. I had, I had to go off and come back, uh, be back at the church in about an hour for something else. And um, I think there was 12 men, and it's not always that way, but I think that morning we made through four men, and we've been praying for 40 minutes. Uh, I thought, boy, at this rate, we're going to be here an hour and a half praying this morning, and that's no problem with me, and normally it's not that way. But as I began to listen to the men pray, you know what? We've got some good men at our church that love God. That's the kind of men I want to be hanging out with. That's the kind of men I want influencing my life. Men who love God. You know what? God's still looking for a few good men. God's still looking for the next generation of men to step up and say, listen, I'm going to fill in the gap. I'm going to step up and take my place. God, I want to be a part to lead this church spiritually through prayer, through, through soul winning, through walking with you, through my testimony. God, I want to be involved. Lord, I want to be that man. How about it today? Will you be that man? Every head bowed, every eye closed as we begin to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you. Lord, I know this year was an awfully unusual service for a Sunday morning. Yet, God, I have complete assurance, Lord, that you desire to change our hearts, Lord, of, our, of the church, Lord, of society. Lord, we have, we've gone astray from where you would desire us to be. And yet, Lord, I also understand that, God, you desire to, to, to start this work, Lord, in the hearts of the men. Lord, that if we would be faithful to step up and do what you've called us to do, Lord, you could begin to move and work in a way that, Lord, we cannot imagine. Lord, the, the number of fatherless homes in our nation has been the downfall of much of society God may the church be different Lord may as fathers as men Lord may we be present in our homes not just physically but Lord emotionally spiritually God may you raise us up to be the men that you'd have us to be in Christ's name I pray if you would stand with us this morning, we're about to sing. But if God has spoke to your heart this morning, man, I encourage you, would you pray and say, Lord, help me to be the man that I'm supposed to be.